Before we begin, please note that none of the information in this episode constitutes a recommendation, solicitation, or offer by Galaxy Digital or its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to Future Proof Digital Assets for the Modern Financial Advisor, where today we're asking, what's next for Bitcoin? I'm Jonathan Bronstein with Financial Advisor IQ, and as always, we're brought to you by Galaxy Fund Management. Today, we are happy to welcome back to the show Mike Novogratz. Mike is the founder and CEO of Galaxy Digital and previously founded and was president of Fortress Investment Group. Mike, my guess is that most of our audience knows exactly who you are, and that's why they're here. So let's get to it. We've got 20 minutes on the clock. Mike, what is the current state of play for Bitcoin? Listen, uh, you could say it's a bull market, and that would probably be an understatement. Uh, Bitcoin's up 5% today, trading at you know, 12500 um, And there's just a ton of excitement around Bitcoin and the whole crypto space. Uh, listen, this started with, with COVID, with the big macro backdrop, where central banks, in, in essence, gave up their independence and said, we will, we will monetize the fiscal debts that governments are, are printing. And they're printing debts to get out of uh, to get out of the COVID situation. They're printing debt for lots of reasons, but we have this explosion in the printing of fiat money, which is pushing people into hard assets. And Bitcoin, as the the digital version of gold, or as a hard asset in the crypto space, has really taken off. And we're seeing retail buy it. We're seeing the wealth channel starting to buy it. And we're seeing institutions buy it. And so, for the first time since I've been involved in the space, which is a long time. I'm literally seeing buying from all from all different kind of investor bases. All right. Well, with so much movement lately, um, so many people are getting in, but have investors missed an opportunity or or, or is now the time? Listen, in, in a bull market, I think people always wish they got in yesterday. Um, it's just what makes a bull market a bull market. Uh, I don't think the fundamentals are changing anytime soon. And the fundamental real backdrop is two things. It's one, this macro uh, environment where central banks continue to print money. I think we'll have zero interest rates in the U.S. for as long as I can see, you know, at least two years, um, if not longer. And, and same thing in Europe. And so I think you've really got a good story on why both gold and Bitcoin should go higher. Uh, but most importantly with Bitcoin is we really are just early in the adoption cycle, right? It's still been difficult for people to buy, which makes it undervalued. And so I'm seeing more and more pipes being, you know, put in more plumbing in essence to allow easier and easier adoption of Bitcoin. And I think that's really the story which is going to drive price much higher. Bitcoin is often compared to uh, to gold as a store of value. And uh, lately they seem to be moving along similar paths. Um, Skew Analytics had it recently that the uh, the monthly average correlation between the two got up to 70%. So for FAs that are new to Bitcoin, how you know is that the the expected relationship between these two assets? Because I think they'll be correlated because people are buying both of them as a store of value, getting away from fiat currencies. Right? We really have gone into this whole new regime uh, where interest rates are pe- are pegged to zero and currencies are going to uh, fluctuate and mostly to the downside. And so as people migrate to something that feels safer, uh, gold and it's what I'll call cousin digital gold or Bitcoin, 
uh, I think you'll see a lot of correlation. Uh, it won't be perfect correlation. Like I said, I think Bitcoin outperforms because it's so much earlier. Gold's been around for 3,000 years and Bitcoin's for 12. And so there's just a lot less people that know the Bitcoin story that are learning it every day. And there'll be, you know, days and weeks where they don't feel like they're they're correlated. But I think overall, the correlation will stay pretty strong. All right. Um, now, there's been a little bit of a buzz lately about uh, Elon Musk uh, possibly mining asteroids for gold. Um, I've read <laughs> that you were a pilot. Um, what is it? <laughs> what do you think? What's your involvement here? <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, I, I think, I mean, you can always come to the the 99 standard deviation event that could screw something up. But I think that in our lifetime, the chances of, uh, you know, gold being mined on asteroids is pretty slim. And so I think gold is a pretty good, uh, you know, safe asset. You know, what, 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 what makes gold unique is you can take all the gold in the history of the world that's ever been mined, and it fits in two and a half Olympic swimming pools. Think about that. From the ancient Egyptians and the Incas and everyone else, all the gold melt down all your wife's jewelry and her cousins and her sisters uh it doesn't you know make a cube bigger than 23 meters aside and so it's a scarce asset and yes you can keep mining it but man they don't mine a whole lot that the, the pool doesn't so much you know the pool doesn't run over and so i think you know that's sometimes the bitcoin community or the crypto community gets a little wacky and i don't think there's any reason to to, to badmouth gold as a as an asset i actually have gold in my portfolio and I have Bitcoin. Uh, I have more Bitcoin because I run a Bitcoin business. But uh, I would probably suggest to the average reader that they'd, they'd have more gold only in that Bitcoin's volatility is a lot higher. I think it's got a lot more upside, but it's a lot more volatile. And so I think you should be careful on how you balance your portfolio. Uh, you don't want to put so much in that it has one correction and you start to, you know, sweating in your underarms. <laughs> Totally fair. Totally fair. I'm going to change. Uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Um, this week is the Democratic National Convention. Next week is the Republican National Convention. As we're recording it, uh, the Democrats are preparing to take the stage. As people hear it, it'll be a little bit later in the week. So I'm asking you as a Bitcoin investor, um, what are you listening for? Is there, is there anything that, that either of them are going to say that particularly matters to you in terms of Bitcoin? Listen, you wish, you wish both of them would talk about, you know, digital currency on, you know, on a go forward basis. Uh, they're not going to, um, they're not going to mention anything about crypto or Bitcoin or even digitalization. Um, and so I, I, that's what you you to hope for. Right. Andrew Yang might have been your best hope for someone who who was kind of a futurist. Uh, but neither of the parties, quite frankly, have been futurists. Uh, I think from a macro story, both of them are going to talk about spending money. <laughs> you know, ironically, the Democrats are probably going to be more fiscally conservative if they get in than Trump would be. Um, uh, but I don't think it matters with either of them in the short run, because I think there is such a big hole to fill uh, that. You know, and there's a whole two reasons. There's a whole because the COVID is, has kind of gutted the economy. But then there's also this rich poor gap that's gotten as wide as it's ever been. And it's being exacerbated by this cheap money. And so a lot of that you're going to see if, if Democrats come in, ta higher taxes on the wealthy. Uh, but you got to fund a lot of programs to try to, to, to balance the, the, the ship a little bit. And uh, I think all of that is good for Bitcoin because it's just more spending. 
And I don't think any of them really, even if they're going to talk fiscally conservative, they don't really have it in their, their DNA to really tighten the belt, uh, given what the world looks like. So what comes next for Bitcoin? Uh, 12 months from now, where do you see Bitcoin? You know, I think the next price is 14000 I think we'll get that in the next month even, right? We're, 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 we're motoring along. Heck, we get it the next day the way it's moving. And then you'll pause and you'll probably be between 14 and 10. And then there's a move to 20,000, the old highs. Usually when you come off a, a low like 3,500 and you go all the way to 20,000, that's a place where people will pause. People will take profit. And so in most likely you'll get, you'll get to the old highs this year or early next year. Uh, and then you'll consolidate some. But I don't think this story is a one-year story. I don't think it's, it ends with – I think you know, what's so interesting is Bitcoin, you have two, two numbers you got to just keep in your head. 21 million, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. Never one, one Bitcoin more than that. And so it's a very scarce asset, and there's probably three that have been lost, three million that have been lost, not three Bitcoins. Um, and then the other one is we think there's 100 million people that have already participated. That's out of the 7.8 billion on the planet. Right? So it's already probably the most distributed security or distributed asset, I won't call it security, in the history of the world. Right? More people own a, big, a piece of a Bitcoin than any other security in the world, including Google and Apple and other trillion-dollar companies. Uh, that number is only going to grow because it grows virally. There's, you know, This is a – both gold and Bitcoin get their value because of a social construct. Right, It's valuable because people say it is. And so the more people that hear the story and participate and tell the story, it's like this giant viral marketing machine. And that's been kind of shut off. And I think it's crossed the hill where it's just rolling downhill and picking up steam. And so I think, you know, if we start start the year at 16,000, the next year people are going to be like, okay, it'll go to 20 and bounce, but it's, it's going to double again. And so it's not crazy to see Bitcoin getting to 100,000 or higher. Uh, you think about Bitcoin right now, what a twelve thousand times. It's got about a two hundred and fifty billion dollar market cap, right? Gold mm. is over ten trillion, and so that's forty times doubling. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's, it's a forty x win if Bitcoin gets to gold. And could Bitcoin get to gold within ten years? It certainly can. Could it get to gold faster than ten years? Maybe. There's a lot of change going on right now in the uh, surrounding industry, the the, the broader um, crypto industry, if you will. Uh, companies like Coinbase are talking about going public. Uh, there was recently the, the OCC's announcement about uh, custody of digital assets at national banks. So I'm just wondering, how does all of this um, affect things for investors? And why does any of this matter specifically to financial advisors? Well, listen, it makes it easier to convince clients that it's safe, right? It just does. When it started off, you had to read, you know, this white paper and code, and it felt like this, this underground movement, which it was, right? It was a off-the-grid movement uh, by libertarians and cypherpunks and people that really didn't want to trust in the government. And that's really the core energy of the space. As it's institutionalized, it makes it easier for my mom and dad to not feel so scared 
uh, for putting some of their savings in Bitcoin as a hedge versus fiat, right? It's less revolutionary in some respects uh, than maybe the original founders wanted to disrupt the whole world, uh, right? But it's still a very disruptive asset when it comes to fiat currency. And so I think Coinbase going public would be a great thing. I think banks getting into the custody business is a great thing. Uh, we're working really hard to institutionalize our own fund, right? The, the, the Galaxy Bitcoin fund is rated, uh, which most funds haven't been rated by a uh, uh, by one of the consultants, by Mercer. It's, you know, priced by Bloomberg. Uh, it's got the right law firms and the right accounting firms behind it. And so institutions can feel really comfortable saying, hey, if I make this bet, I might be wrong if Bitcoin goes down, but I'm not going to lose my money uh, other than if I'm wrong on my bet. I'm not going to get hacked or, you know, uh, I'm not, there's not going to be fraud. There's not going to be. So all those other questions are getting taken away by the institutionalization of the space. You know, as you see Bitcoin, you know, going up, particularly over the past month, do you think how much of it do you attribute to that sort of news as opposed to just the broader uh, COVID low interest rate, you know, free money sort of environment? You know, it's it's both. Uh, I I know hedge funds wouldn't get in. Guys like Paul Tudor Jones wouldn't be able to get in if they didn't feel and do their work that custody was safe, right? For either within the futures or even the, the, the custody where you buy Bitcoin itself. And so getting Fidelity or BAT uh, or, or BitGo to get more presence or New York, getting all those people in the custody business and then having spent all the time convincing people that, hey, this is safe, that's gotten that next level of people in. Listen, the OCC saying banks can get in the custody business is a big deal. It's the government saying, hey, you can be in crypto as a bank. Like that didn't exist two years ago. And so all of that infrastructure is just making it easier for people to hear the story and say, get me in. Uh, I still think without it, it would have gone up. It just wouldn't have gone up as much. Sure. And how quickly do you think those big banks are going to get in? I think much faster than they think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, when you're a big bank and all of a sudden you've got clients that are putting big positions on it, you know, major hedge funds putting big positions on you know, Bitcoin, you're going to want to get in. The other thing that's going to drive them is we are going to see an explosion in stable coins, i.e. digital dollars. Uh, we already have digital dollars in a centralized form and things like Venmo in small, small amounts. Uh, but I can't send – if I wanted to send you, and I'm assuming you're in the UK right now, uh, sending, send you $20,000, it would be a huge pain in my rear to, to be able to send you $20,000. And I can send you a picture instantly. Uh, you get a picture of me on my porch out here in Amagansett in less than a second, but sending, and that's a lot of pixels and all complicated how a picture gets put together. But setting you $20,000 would take me a couple days. And so that makes no sense. We're going to see that shift much quicker. And you're going to have stable coins, which are digital dollars, but hopefully they'll be decentralized digital dollars, uh, right? They'll be done on, a, on some form of a blockchain, right? The biggest stable coin in the US right now is a coin called USDC. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it, it functions on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, but that's a much more efficient way of, of sending around money, uh, both individuals and, and institutions. 
And so that's coming. And that, even though that's not Bitcoin, uh, that'll increase the Bitcoin adoption because it's the same architecture that gets used. It's custody, it's security, it's the trading pipes. Uh, and so we're moving into this digital world much faster than we were pre-COVID. And I think that's very good for the whole space. All right. So on our overarching topic of the day, you know, outside of Bitcoin's value, which, you know, you've already discussed in the direction that, that you see that going, but um, what do you expect to change about the way investors are interacting with Bitcoin over the next couple of years? You know, I think it's just going to get easier and easier. Uh, Facebook is going to have their Novi wallet inside their messaging apps, and you'll be able to move their 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 stable coin around or buy or sell Bitcoin on the thing. And so it'll be as easy for kids or young people who use their phone apps to, to message and do business to buy it there. And it will be as easy soon for the wealth channel, right? The 50 to 80 year olds who have most of the money. Call, right now, you can't call your broker at at Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan and say, hey, buy me some of that Bitcoin, right? They're like, ah, we can't. And I think that will change sometime in the next three years. You know, TD Ameritrade's been working on it. They might think we'll be the first of the brokers. Uh, they're owned by Schwab. That means Schwab goes. And, you know, all of a sudden, you have this, this uh, domino effect. Even Fidelity, and this is crazy, Fidelity is a 200-person group working on crypto. And they're doing it for institutions. They're custodying it for institutions. Uh, they're a big push. Abby Johnson's a big advocate of Fidelity, but they haven't allowed yet their clients to buy it, their retail clients to buy it on their platform. Uh, that's all going to change in the next year. It's my bet. I bet Abby Johnson says, okay, that's good enough for institutions. It's good enough for retail. And she's going to let her retail clients buy it, either through a fund or direct, uh, or hopefully our fund. <laughs> Um, and, you know, so again, it's just ease of access to buy it where it just becomes another asset. And this becomes a great hedge asset for your dollar exposure and your risk exposure. So the story that you're telling is essentially just a normalization of this asset over the next, you know, two, three years. Yeah. Is that fair you know, to say? Five years ago, I was really kind of sexy because I, I own Bitcoin and now I'm just a no normal Wall Street schmo that owns it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're hoping. That's what we're hoping for. Okay. Uh, that it's a normalization that this is just another asset in the portfolio. Fair enough. Well, Mike, we're out of time, but, but thank you so much for doing this. Listeners, we'll be back in three weeks with a great conversation. We're joined by financial advisor Tyrone Ross Jr., CEO of OnRamp Invest, and Steve Kurtz, the head of asset management at Galaxy Digital. The three of us will be discussing how advisors can build a plan around Bitcoin. This podcast is a production of Financial Advisor IQ, a service of the Financial Times, and is brought to you by Galaxy Fund Management. My name is Jonathan Bronstein, and I produced and edited this podcast. Our music is written and performed by Oliver Mack. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.